Welcome to Interfaith Ministries Interfaith Podcast Series, which is part of our Faith in Our City program under the umbrella of the Dialogue Project. The Dialogue Project's Faith in Our City program is Interfaith Ministries' effort to increase religious literacy and break down walls of misunderstanding across religious traditions. We're grateful to the Freed Foundation for its support of this program. If you like what you hear and want to learn more, visit us at www.imgh.org for more information to join our mailing list and to donate. I'm the Reverend Greg Hahn, and I'm the Director of Interfaith Relations out of the Department of Interfaith Relations and Community Partnerships at Interfaith Ministries. And this series is an introduction to religions, but through learning about the holidays and holy days of a religion. And today we're focusing on the Muslim tradition and I have here with me today uh, Ms. Safia Ravat. She is the female religious director at Miriam Islamic Center. Safia, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about you, um, where you grew up, and a little bit about your training. Sure. So um, I grew up in the Houston area, um, in Memorial in particular. After doing a journalism degree at the University of Houston, my husband and I decided to embark on an Islamic studies journey. We did Arabic in Dallas and then did a four years bachelor degree in Islamic studies, what you would call fiqh and usul fiqh or Islamic law. After that, we came back to the U.S. We taught Arabic for two years and I have just now returned to Houston after a six, seven year stint outside and um, I will be serving as the female religious director at the Mary Islamic Center. What are the changes you've, that have been most noticeable even your seven years away? There's a famous quote my father always quotes from Nelson Mandela. Actually, that is part of my heritage. We are from South Africa, my father's family. And it is um, that it is interesting to see a place that remains unchanged to see the ways in which you yourself have altered. And so Houston generally, I mean, it, it kind of looks the same, I would say. I know there are many differences, but there's also a lot of changes and differences in me that I notice. And so tr trying to find my place again back in Houston has, has been interesting to navigate. I do feel like, at least in the Muslim community, the tides have kind of changed and the time is now for lots of change. And we see that in you know, so much of what's happening in the world today, you know, social media, you know, revolutions, things are happening and I feel like we're having sort of an effect in the American Muslim community where we're ready to move forward and talk about things we weren't ready to talk about in the past. It's good to hear. We're glad to have you back here in the Houston area. Thank you. Let's start with that question of the daily or weekly rhythms. For a Muslim, what would a week, what would the weekly rhythms look like? And is then there a particular special day of the week uh, within the kind of the, the, the Muslim religious week? We have on a on a day-to-day -day basis we have five daily prayers. Um, we've got one in, uh, early in the morning right before the sun rises. We've got two in the middle of the day, one right when the sun sets, and one in the later evening time. So we've got five daily prayers which basically you could say they they give us some structure in our day that we're reminded at every couple hours to go back to God, to remember that I need to be conscious of God in my day. So you might be at work, take a quick five minute break, pray, and then get back to work. So it's just a, a, a short meditation reminder time for you to connect with God and you know remind yourself that 
whatever was difficult that I was doing at work or whatever difficulties with my family, I've got this connection with God. So we have the five daily prayers, and then on a weekly basis, we have our special holy day of the week, which is Friday. We call it Yomul Jumu'ah. And Jumu'ah, we basically have, similar to the um, Sunday sermon, we have a Friday sermon, which takes place around 12.30, 1 o'clock at every mosque in Houston. You'll be seeing uh, people going in and uh, flooding the streets with their cars. And um, we have a sermon led by usually the imam of the mosque or um, any other guest speaker. And that's followed by a short prayer. So the entire um, you know, sermon and prayer takes a good like 30, 45 minutes. And then people go on their way back to work or back, back home, wherever they may be. And um, that's the day of the week where everyone comes together as a community people you haven't seen regularly, you're seeing them in the mosque, you're able to pray with them, worship with them, and then, um, you know, socialize with them. So it's, it's a time of gathering as a community, and it reminds us to have this community mentality. How long do will those five daily prayers take, though? Sure. So um, I'd say at a minimum, you're looking at about five minutes, because beforehand it requires uh, what we have is the ritual ablution, ritual washing of hands, face, and, and different parts of the body, kind of just to ready ourselves both physically and mentally for the prayer. And then the prayer is, is just a couple of actions. We, we bow, um, we go all the way down into prostration, and it take, the prayer could take up to th three minutes. I mean, if you're going at an average speed, and then it could take up to 10 minutes if you know you're really feeling it and you're really what we call having khushu or concentration you're basically we're reading the quran during those times and we're praising god and particularly for someone who understands arabic it's it may take a lot longer if you if you're really concentrating on what you're saying tell me tell, let's let's talk a little bit about the the calendar itself and how and how you mark time Sure. So, yes, the, the Muslim calendar is a lunar calendar. So we're looking for the moon every 29 to 30 days. What we're looking for is the birth of the new moon, seeing the crescent. And so the lunar calendar being maybe 29, maybe 30 days, based on when we see the birth of the new moon, it um, ends up that at the end of the year, we're about 10 days shorter than the solar calendar. And so the Muslim lunar calendar is continuously different from the solar calendar. So every year, what, what you would see is that our Eid or our festivals are a different time in the year, a couple days different than it was the year before. And so our calendar just keeps on moving on the lunar calendar and, and not adding in any extra time or any extra days to compensate for that. And, um, you know, as a Muslim, honestly, I don't always know what day or um, month it is in the lunar calendar, but I, I can easily look it up. Okay, what month am I in? What year am I in? Um, to, to keep up with that. But I think at the end of the day, even most Muslim countries, we do work in terms of officially in the solar calendar, but in terms of our holy days, we follow the lunar calendar. Yes. If you uh, wanted to start then, let's work our way through the, the, the special days of the, uh, of the Muslim religious calendar. Where do you want to start? So I would say a particularly important place to start is the month of Ramadan, okay. which is the nine month 
ninth month of the calendar. And so what happens? So Ramadan is a full month of fasting, which which scares a lot of people because it sounds like we're all going to starve. But it's actually not the entire month of fasting. It is from the time the sun comes up until the sun sets is when we fast from, from food, from water, also from sexual intimacy between spouses, um, smoking, anything that nourishes you. And then the second tear, you would say, is also fasting from... Um, bad speech, be, being um, being lewd, saying lying, backbiting, things like that. Um, so what we're trying to do is hold ourselves back from the things that we normally do to show ourselves that we can be disciplined, that we can restrain ourselves, and that will hopefully give us discipline throughout the year. Um, and so it is. It, it's not that it's extremely easy. It is difficult, and you feel your stomach gurgling and at those moments we pray to God we, we 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 talk to God and we say thank you God that you know at the end of this we actually get food and there are people what it reminds us of is there are people who at the end of a long 13 hour day without food and water they're not going to have food and so it encourages us to be more charitable it encourages us to help out people when we see any any difficulties any people having dif whether it's even the homeless man on on the street or um, causes all over the world where people are in starvation, it, it actually brings out a lot more of the charitability in us, which is what the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, peace be upon him, had done in the month of Ramadan. It was mentioned that he became even more charitable than usual, even though this was a time where everyone was tired, everyone was, um, you could say, lethargic, you're thinking a lot about, maybe you're thinking a lot about yourself. It actually caused him to think more about others, and we try to emulate that as well. Honestly, you would think Muslims hate Ramadan, but Muslims love Ramadan so much. It is one of the things that even Muslims who are not religious, they still say it's the best time of the year, even though it's difficult on their bodies. But it's something that they love so much and they end up doing. They love it so much. They feel that spiritual boost. And then at the end of the night, what we do is everyone comes together at their local mosque to pray night prayers. Whereas during the year, most people come only on Fridays. Some people come throughout the day to, to pray the five daily prayers. But in Ramadan, everyone makes that special effort to come for the night prayers around 9 p.m. for about an hour or two. Um, and moms with kids, uh, you know, the elderly, everyone is there. They're praying the prayers together. They're enjoying this sense of community every single night. And so it is a beautiful time and we all really look forward to it every single year. And as soon as it's gone, we all are, are sad and depressed. Why can't every day be like Ramadan? It's not really possible. It is, it is like I said, it's a difficult time. There is value in it being just one month because then we, we can always look forward to it. We can look forward to that time to spiritually recharge. Uh, one of the most significant things about Ramadan that is mentioned in the Quran is that Shahr Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Quran that the month of Ramadan is the month in which the Quran was revealed and so it actually has even more importance because this was the month that the that uh, God sent the Quran through angel Gabriel to the Prophet Muhammad and so um, we see this month as the month of Quran as well which is why we make sure we spend an hour praying every night and what we try to do is every night read one chapter of the Quran and when we've got or one a portion of the Quran and it's been separated into 30 portions so that 
one could finish the entire Quran by the end of Ramadan. Of course, the question, does one have to fast? So fasting is one of the obligations of the religion. We have five obligations, um, which the prayer, uh, the um, taking the the Shahada, which is the creed, saying the Muslim creed, I believe, you know, I believe in God, that there is no God worthy of God, and Muhammad is the messenger. Fasting is one of them. Um, giving charity is one of them. And then the Hajj, which we'll talk about later, is one of them. So fasting is prescribed, but it is only prescribed upon <clears throat> those who are able. And so it is able-bodied, post-pubescent adults who are, um, they have the ability to fast. So anybody who is sick, they are exempt. Pregnant women are exempt. Um, the elderly, who it is very difficult for them to fast, they are exempt. And there are different ways in which they can make that up. Some give in charity. Um, some decide to make up those days throughout the year. Um, in addition to that, the, the, the one who is traveling also is not required to fast because travel has some difficulty in it. Uh, where would we stop next in the, in the calendar? What would, what would you like to highlight? So at the end of Ramadan, um, at the end of this month, we have the first of two of our major celebrations. Um, both celebrations are called Eid. And Eid in Arabic means? Eid in Arabic means annual celebration. Okay. So we, we call our celebration celebration. And what we mentioned, what we call this one in particular is Eid al-Fitr. So it is that word iftar, breaking the fast, so it's related to that. So the, the celebration of the ending of breaking our fast. So we have done an entire month, month of Ramadan, and now we are going to celebrate. We, uh, we go to the mosque, we have a big a sermon and a prayer, and then everyone comes and meets wearing their best clothes, smelling the best, looking the best they could ever look, and everyone joins together in this beautiful community event. A lot of times then people go back to their homes and we have gifts for the kids, games for the kids, lots and lots of food and it's just a day most people take off from work, take off from school and we enjoy that day. Every family has its different traditions but the, the main specific tradition everyone would have is the morning sermon and the morning prayer and then dressing your best. Um, and so it's a day of joy, and it is a day of eating. It's, a, it's marking the day we don't have to fast anymore, so we, we do have a feast on that day. You could say that is the, the official feast day. So we've worked our way through Ramadan, gotten to the, to the Eid that concludes. So moving on from Ramadan, where, would we, where do we stop next? So we jump just a couple months ahead um, into the month of Dhul Hijjah. This is the final month in the uh, Islamic calendar. The Hijjah means the month of Hajj. And so the Hajj is perhaps one of the most amazing, hugest kind of pilgrimages that I would imagine exist on the earth today in which it's approximately two million Muslims from all over the world come together to Mecca in Saudi Arabia and they do um, it's about a five-day ritualistic um, pilgrimage. And so it is one of the five obligations of a Muslim, but it is th the uh, obligation of the Hajj is only for those who are able to do it and who are financially, so both, both physically able and financially able. And so not all people have gone, but when they are able to financially, they make that trip out. And so what Muslims do is we come to Mecca, there is the Kaaba, or what you would say the most famous mosque 
the fa most famous mosque in the world. And everyone comes there and we do some of those same actions that they that we know that Abraham and Ishmael had done. And so we go between those those uh, two hills, Safa and Marwa, and we go seven times. We're praising God through that time. We go to the Kaaba, which in the Quran it is mentioned that this mosque was built by Abraham and Ishmael later on in their life. And so we 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 go um, around the Kaaba several times. We pray in the same place where we believe Abraham prayed and made um, made dua or made a prayer a supplication to God. And we, we basically are emulating this, the action and the story of Abraham and his family, who to us is one of the greatest of the prophets. There are mentioned that there are five of the greatest prophets and Abraham is one of them because he was what we call a nation on his own, that he believed and nobody else believed. He had to leave his entire city, entire community with his wife and kids and his, his uh, nephew Lot. They were the only ones who believed. So they, he really had to be very resilient and really have some extreme faith in God that God was gonna show him what was the, the next path to take, the right path to take. And so he is one of the most revered prophets in our religion and as such, the prophet Muhammad um, peace be upon him, had told us that we are going to perform the Hajj as Abraham um, performed many of these rites many, many years ago. And so it is an extremely spiritual journey. It is one in which everyone actually, interestingly, um, have to wear very simple clothing to show that everyone here, regardless of whether you came on a, um, you know, your own personal jet or you came traveling by horse, uh, which some people still do today from, from Africa and different parts of the Middle East, um, that we are all the same. Um, you can also go and do the mini Hajj anytime you want, which, which we call Umrah, where you do do those rites, but it's just not in that time and there's not two million other people with you. At the end of the Hajj, after this um, four or five day adventure, you could say, um, we have another Eid, another annual celebration, which we call Eid al-Adha. And Eid al-Adha means the, um, the Eid or the celebration of sacrifice. And that again goes back to the story of Abraham where he was to sacrifice his son and instead he sacrificed a lamb. Therefore on Eid day, um, all of the people who are on, on the Hajj in Mecca and all of the people all over the world who are not, we, um, we start that day with a prayer and a community gathering. And then we go to a farm to um, sacrifice an animal. We then take the meat from that animal and we distribute um, one third to family, one third to the poor, and then we can, we're permitted to keep one third for ourselves. Many people just give it out to family as well. And so that is commemorating the sacrifice of Abraham um, on that day. And we, it again is a joyous day. We enjoy that day. We get together with family, try to do all the fun activities for our kids. Um, but we always try our best to remember the sacrifice that Abraham gave and, you know, the devotion he had to decide to obey God in something that might have been really difficult for him to do, yet he was still able to go through with it. And through that perseverance, God gave him something better, which was he still got to keep his son 
and um, he, he sacrificed uh, an animal instead. And so that is the culmination of this entire Hajj um, five-day adventure is the Eid day. And again, it's celebrated whether you are in Mecca or you're not. Um, the difference would only be the people in Mecca actually did all the rituals and the people here, we only celebrate the day of Eid. Well, Sophia, thank you so much for your time and for being part of our podcast project. Thank you so much, uh, Reverend. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak about this. And thanks again for joining us for this edition of the Interfaith Podcast Series. Contact us at ircp at imgh.org or visit www.imgh.org to learn more about us and how to support our work.